0: podcast coming away. This is episode 391, Q&A episode. Steve Sneer here and the Rickster. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there?
0: First one, guys, we're going to talk about running a cycle for 15 weeks, and he's complaining about itchy nipples that come and go. So why does this happen when you're on cycle? If you guys have listened to this podcast, you know a lot about how steroids Different steroids affect different things. So, if you're running an aromatizing compound and it aromatizes the estrogen in your body, as soon as it hits your body, it starts aromatizing. Now, certain aromatizing compounds, obviously, testosterone is the the obvious one. And then dianabole is the other big one. Dianabole is really quick to aromatize in the body. So, what happens is you get that estrogen conversion in the body, your estrogen levels skyrocket. And then it starts leading to estrogen side effects. And one of the side effects of estrogen is gynecomastia. And gynecomastia is basically, in layman terms, bitch tits. And you see that a lot with people who have never used steroids before. They're walking around with bitch tits. And what that is, that's puberty gynecomastia. And that's something that they developed when they were in puberty and their hormones were going all crazy and their estrogen levels were going all crazy. Crazy, and they develop that gynecomastia. So that really sucks. And really, the best way to to combat that, you know, over time, is you can either try running a bunch of anti-estrogens, or you can go ahead and get that surgery done where they remove that gland. So if you do remove that gland properly, it should never come back again. But there is certain situations where they don't remove the gland properly, and it does actually come back. So. In this situation, it doesn't sound like that guy. This guy has had, you know, surgery before, or has had these issues before. But it sounds like on your cycle, you were not controlling your estrogen. It's just like flying a plane. You're not, or, or driving a car, and you don't keep an eye on your gas tank. You don't keep an eye on your oil. You don't keep an eye on the different things, the maintenance on your vehicle or on your airplane or whatever. And if you don't keep an eye on this stuff, then you got problems. So he didn't keep an eye on it and he kind of neglected it. And then what ended up happening is that it caught up with them. And then now on cycle, even when you throw in some aromas in here, you throw in some novodex there on cycle, it comes and goes, it comes and goes. So you really need to learn from it, get your blood work done from day one. You should be running an aromatized inhibitor from day one. If you're running a compound that aromatizes and that will hopefully solve the issue in most people. I'm saying 90% of people, 95% of people. Yes. There is that small percentage of people, no matter what they do on cycle, they are very estrogen prone. And I've seen that with clients and it has nothing to do with them being overweight or anything. These are lean guys. They're just prone to it. So in those situations, you may want to avoid running aromatizing compounds because you don't want to get any estrogen addition. So Rick, uh, what else do you else
1: see how to say about this one? I really found, you know, Novadex uh, to be the good preventive measure for gynecomastia. I think it works. Doesn't interfere with the cycle to any large degree. I think is is the best one. I don't um, I don't run into issues like that anymore because I'm very consistent with my use of Novadex. So I, I just just stick to that. If you having these issues, if you are prone to it, Novadex is the which you should stay on. It' the way to go.
0: The next one I'm going to talk about, but I just want to finish with this, guys. Blood work, blood work, blood work, blood work. Go on Evolution or check out my signature. I always have a blood work link there. You can always reference in my signature and find that link. Go get blood work done. If you're having this on cycle and you can't figure it out, go get blood work. The blood work is the guide. Everyone wants to know how much of an AI do I need to run? How much of an anti-estrogen do I need to run? Guys, blood work is your guy. That's a map, okay?
1: In journal, guys, um, make sure you stick that blood work somewhere with a sheet of paper where you describe what you were feeling like and what your symptoms were like, down to the smallest detail, while your blood work looked like this. Then later on, you can go engage and see, okay, well, this is what my blood work looks like now. Here's how I'm feeling now. Here's what my blood work used to look like and you have a sheet describing because you'll forget these things sheet describing your symptoms and it helps you get a good gauge of what you should be feeling like depending on what kind of hormonal ranges uh, you're dealing with in your blood work it's just a a real smart thing to do to really help you build that knowledge base of of just what what your body does what it responds to and, and how how it how it works with all these drugs
0: and the problem, too, with that, and this is why you have to be flexible, is as you get older, things change in your body. So you may have ran 500 milligram of testosterone a week with no AI before and got away with it, had no problems. Five years later, you do the same thing, and you end up with bitch tits. So your body does change over time. So you have to constantly be adjusting. And you have to have a good memory. Like, I, I don't understand people who don't understand their body. You should know your body better than anybody. You shouldn't be lazy. You should really know this. It's like going into the gym and not knowing how much you can bench and just putting on a random weight and trying to that weight. That sounds ludicrous. But people actually do that. It makes no sense. You should know your body. And your body over time, as it adjusts, you should realize that adjustment and make adjustments as you go. It's all about flexibility. So don't be stubborn when it comes to using These chemicals and these compounds and these steroids and these anti-estrogens, don't be stubborn and, and stick to your ways. This is something you have to be flexible, and it can change cycle to cycle. All right, so the next one we're going to talk about, Rick, this one's for you. Tell us about vet grade, steroids, underground labs, pharmacy grade, brands. What is the difference between all of these? How available are they? I know in the United States, if you go to a doctor, he writes you a script you take it to the pharmacy, you're going to get pharmacy grade. I know that if you order steroids online from a source, 99% of the time, it's either going to be obviously underground or vet grade. Okay. Because that's just, you know, that's how it is. But overseas, it's different over, you, you know, you can order, go overseas and Oh, well, you know, you don't need a prescription. to get pharmacy grade. You got all everything. And then I know in Australia, they get vet grade uh, EQ. It comes in a, in a vial. It's like very small amount per milliliter. So you got to inject a ton of it to get to get anything. And I think it's like 25 or 50 milligrams a milliliter. Very, very small amount, obviously. Yeah. G-
1: Gannable 50 uh, that you get in Colombia all the time at, at veterinaria. Um, Gannable fifties, 50 MGs per ml you get a big 250 milliliter jug 50 ng's per ml for know, 60 70 bucks um and yeah so veterinarian grade uh a human grade these are uh, approved labs that are regulated by some kind of governing body somewhere somehow one they're looked over and one of the major differences too is the, the raw materials when you have a, a bay or a sharing or a veterinarian outfit, very rarely veterinarian might happen then, but at least not the big ones, those raw materials that they're using to make your steroids, they can trace the origin of those raw materials back all the way to the licensed factory in China or India, wherever it might be that produced those raws. I mean, they've on file, they've got the state licensing, you know, in their country for the factory that made the damn raws. I mean, it gets that deep because uh, it's it has to get get to that. Uh, all of the materials are tested for for purity. Uh, they're tested obviously identity, but you could, you, know, you do that that purity does it at the same time. Um, testing it for contaminants, testing it for heavy metals, and and not just that, but when you can trace the origin of the raw materials back to the licensed lab, back whether it be in China or India or or Europe somewhere, you know that this lab is doing it. Under under good sanitary conditions, and that they're not making uh, poisons, and that they're not making pesticides in the same factory that they're making your steroids in. Which, when you get underground steroids that are sometimes made by 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 labs in. China or in India that are kind of flying by making these steroids illegally, not registering with the state and letting letting the the, the governing bodies that they're making these steroids in their factory and selling them on the underground. Sometimes they might be making uh, pesticides, polyesters. They might be making other kinds of crap in the same factory, in the same facility, in the same area at the same time. As they're making a steroids, so even if you even if you go through uh through the process, there's a this little machine I've seen at, at at my manufacturer's lab that separates and does all of the heavy metal testing. Even if you do all of that heavy metal testing, there could still be other contaminants in there that are not quite tested for, and this happens a lot when a fly by night factory making the raw material that's making fucking fentanyl. And that's making uh, synthetic ecstasy and K3 and all of this other garbage. They're also making fucking steroids and making juice, or they're making, you know, bath salts and they're making pesticides and they're making, uh, different poisons and and they're making, uh, industrial lubricants in the same like area. They don't build a wall. Your, your vat of steroids mixing up could be, you know, 10, 10 meters away from a vat of some kind of industrial glue or some crap that they're making. They don't give a fuck because they're, they're doing it illegally as well. The, the, the supply chain for the raw materials is bad to begin with all the way back to China. So that's what you get with underground labs. Uh, whenever you're talking about human grade, even some veterinarian grade, at least a the veterinarian, they have have to buy it through if there's a small brand they're buying it from an approved importer that imported it into mexico or colombia or costa rica or whatever imported it illegally there and he's got the paperwork back to the real factory unless he's fudging that also same thing with with a, a and, and you know when you're a big player like a Bayer or, or sharing or your account panel pharmacy in the states then you really have all of your paperwork you got you've got the the the, the you got everything leading back to the factory that, that originally made the raw material down to, you'll know the guy's name who compounded it with your batch number, with the batch number, you can go back to your paperwork, right? Cause this is, this is good manufacturing practice rules. Go back to your paperwork and know who were the people that were present at the t- time of manufacturing. Like this, this is stuff that you only get, you only get when you have an approved certified laboratory um, and yeah, man, that's my whole, uh, small spiel on it, man.
0: All right, guys. The next one we're going to talk about. Let me pull it up here is getting joint pain on cyclone. this is another one for you, right? Cause you sell your company sells a joint support formula. So, um, I've had different issues with joints over the years. I don't really have. Uh, My body structure is a little different than some of you out there because I have more short, stubby limbs. And those of you out there who have like long, lanky limbs, you probably have more problems with your knees and your elbows. When you have short, stubby limbs, you get more problems like in your shins, maybe in your forearms, stuff like that. So, you know, I kind of noticed that differently, but joint pain is joint pain, no matter what your, what your uh, body composition is. So one of the things with joint pain is it can come on due to a little nagging injury that can become chronic. Your body continues to start spinning out inflammation, start getting tendonitis, issues like that come up in the joints. Another thing could be overtraining. You go through a period where you change your workouts or you up your workouts and you do a lot of training and your body just can't handle it. So your joints become dry because you're getting that compression and your joints aren't being lubricated. When we weight train, we dry out our joints in, in its own right. So it's very important when you're weight training to do decompression on the body and it's also important to do mobility work and flexing, flexibility, work on your flexibility by stretching. So that's why I recommend yoga. A guy on the forum was flabbergasted because I recommended him to do yoga because he was complaining about his joint health. And he's like, how can, how can yoga help with my joint health? Well, here's, here's how yoga helps with joint health. Because yoga does the opposite of weight training when it comes to mobility. Weight training decreases your mobility, yoga increases your mobility. So, when, you're more, when your joints are more mobile and more flexible, you're going to get less injuries. This is why, in every sports league, whether they're in eight year olds or professionals, They all, what do they do, right? Before every practice and before every game, they stretch. They stretch. And if you're not flexible, you're going to increase your chance of injury. That's just a fact. Another thing, weight training compresses the discs, compresses the joints, rubs things together that shouldn't be rubbed with force. Yoga decompresses so it liquidates those joints while weight training dries those joints so you have to have that balance when you're weight training you have to have that balance you don't have to go to a yoga class to do yoga by the way or to stretch you can do it on your own but going to a class is a lot better you have someone teaching you you have a class full of hot chicks it's motivating you and it keeps you honest you go to a class a yoga class you're going to be pushing yourself and doing it, and if it's in a hot room, you're going to be stretching more than you usually would because you're in a hot room and you're going to be able to stretch more than just doing it at home. But you can go to some classes. So if you haven't tried it before, go to some yoga classes and learn. Learn what's doing they're doing. And if you can't afford to keep going, then you can just do it at home. Just learn from it. Do it at home or pull up some YouTube videos. But You have to be stretching, guys. Go to any professional game, college game, high school game, middle school game. I don't care. Go early, if you don't believe me. Just sit there like a dumbass by yourself in the stands and see what's going on. They are all on the field stretching. Okay, I don't care if they're professional athletes, NFL, high school, whatever. Go to any sporting event soccer, football, baseball. I don't care. They're all stretching and they warm up. Are you stretching and are you warming up as a weightlifter? No, you're not doing it enough. If you're getting joint issues, that is a fact. So you have to get that better. And I'm guilty as charged. I'm one of those dumb asses because for years I pounded the shit out of my body and I did not balance things out. If I had been doing yoga and using an inversion table and doing grasping technique, and all these little tricks to decompress, I want to be sitting here with three herniated discs, and in pain, from from all that trauma I did to my body, I would have been, (laughs) I would be much better today, if I had done that, I got a late start on it, and I was stupid, and I listened to the wrong people, but I'm telling you guys, to get an early start on it, very, very important to do maintenance on your body. It's just like getting your oil change on your car, you know, it, it, or changing the tires on your car. It's maintenance or going to the dentist and getting your teeth cleaned. This is maintenance that you have to do on your body if you're going to weight train and be healthy long term. Rick, what else? Uh, tell us a little bit about the supplements that you sell for weight for uh, joints.
1: So I have a product called N2 Joint RX, and the number two joint. Rx.com, go to jointrx.com. And it basically provides all of the minerals and vitamins that you kind of need. Because a lot of times we get fucked up in some situations because of deficits, you know, just a, a mineral or vitamin that could just be there could be a deficit in your diet and you just don't get enough of it. So with my supplements, whether I'm doing testosterone boosting, or whether I'm doing weight loss, or whether I'm doing a a joint pain, I like to start off in my formulas by addressing possible deficiencies. So I'll have just some minerals and some vitamins in there uh, in all of my products that are just there so that if you are experiencing any of these side effects because of, of a mineral or vitamin that's missing, then I'm just giving you that just to start off with. And then the rest of the formula Goes uh, into entry joint goes into two two sets. One is it provides the substrate, the building blocks of which all of these tissues are made, so that you have some building blocks there to to repair and build with. And two, it also brings in ingredients has ingredients that have been shown in studies to actually promote the healing and some of the processes that are that are necessary for healthy bones joints. Attendants, ligaments, what you call it, everything. So it's kind of the way the the product is it's, it's really been developed. You got the covering deficiencies. We do that too with a T three PCT. It's a weight loss product, and what it does is is it addresses it addresses the nutritional deficiencies that might slow down your thyroid. There could be one or two things that you're just not getting enough in your diet at the moment for whatever reason, and then your thyroid starts to get a little sluggish and, and this addresses that And T3PCT is just an example to bring up. So N2Jointrx.com, guys, check it out. It's a great product. You stack if you stack into joint RX with Osterin and tb 500 tb man, 500
0: and BPC 157.
1: And BPC 157, right? If you stack those uh four together, then I mean you got some you got something going. You got some really good a really good healing stack that'll help you come back from, from some of the worst of situations. So, uh, yeah. And joint Rx guys, to guys, check it out.
0: The so next one we're talking about is Viagra and Cialis. These are vassal dilators. And I can remember, I don't know if you remember this, but back in, when I was in college, I see commercials on TV for Viagra and now you younger guys, I mean, we didn't have anything like this back then. Rick. Right? So I, at the time, I like asked a co worker. We're at work and we saw a commercial for it. And it was like one of those pharma commercials that are so fucking annoying. I just want to smash the TV whenever I see them. Um, because they show the person on TV all happy and smiling and throwing the football around and they're playing with the little doggy. They look so happy and they're smiling. And then they show the drug, and then they'll, uh, they'll they'll be like, "Oh, side effects include," and then they run off like twenty different side effects for these fucking drugs. So I, I, I turn to a buddy of mine at work. I'm like, "I'm like, dude, what the fuck is erectile dysfunction? I have no fucking clue what it was." And I just think it's funny how today, like every fucking twenty year old has erectile dysfunction, and back then, like I didn't even know. I don't know. I don't know if you ex- ever experienced it at that age, right? But it just it just goes to show you all the trash, you know, are the in our environment. Ephedra made,
1: ephedra made my dick feel weird. See, right? that's I, interesting. Ephedra it's a young man, it used to make my dick feel. Weird.
0: But that's weird because stimulants, you would think stimulants would do the opposite, but
1: sometimes some of them constrict a, a blood flow, yeah. some of them just that, that's, that's the some thing. of them also yeah. It
0: fucks
1: with your heart. It fucks with your heart. Yeah. Erections are very mental in your head, and some of them can fuck around with some of the chemistry in your head necessary for for keeping that erection going. But yeah, man, I remember I had. I remember I was on on f on a um senior, senior year in high school. Damn, I've been beating my body up with stuff since I was so young. So I was on a and I was on the ECA stack and. Um, and I had a chance with this girl, um, big booty, blonde girl, and wasn't my first, wasn't my best performance. Um, I got to say because of the damn, uh, um, I'm blaming it on the damn Ephedra. but, um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it made, made, made my dick feel weird.
0: So why are we talking about Seattle and Vi- Viagra? Well, two reasons. And I'll let Rick get into the second reason, which is, steroid cycles getting older sometimes it doesn't work down there so back in the 80s if you watch some old shows rick i know you don't watch tv or movies but they like joke around in the movies a lot of times it'll be like an older guy and he'll be talking about how you know hey i'm glad my hair is gone but at least my joystick works and it'd be like a comedy routine in some of these movies that's like a joke stand-up comics would say that or whatever So now you don't got to worry about that. You just pop some Viagra or Cialis. Well, all right, we're getting into that. But the first reason, first thing I want to talk about too, is how these PDE5 inhibitors like Viagra and Cialis actually work because they're very powerful vasodilators and guys will use them before a workout because they're going to rush blood through to the muscle. As you're working out that muscle, you're... Your muscle starts popping, your veins start popping out of your muscle. So that's one of the reasons guys actually use this shit before their workouts because they either are very fucking egotistical, guilty as charged, I've done it before, or they, they just want to experience an incredibly painful pump and leave the gym feeling like a million bucks. So this stuff is used in weight training and in bodybuilding for that reason. Also, you know, obviously for competing, you're going to be wanting to, you know, be as pumped and as vascular when you're pumping yourself up backstage, getting ready to go out in front of the judges and in front of the crowd. So that's another reason guys will mess around with this stuff, but you know, this stuff isn't something you want to be taking very often. I mean, if you take it once in a while for this purpose, that's fine. But I mean, you shouldn't be depending on this shit every time before you work out because you can get dependent on it. So, you know, it's not the, that's not the best thing. You, if you understand nutrition and you understand how to weight train properly, doing drop sets, stuff like that, you can get those pumps and get the vascularity without having to pop Viagra or, or Cialis. So Rick, uh, finish it up, finish up the topic with your thoughts on, uh, why guys need it on a steroid cycle.
1: Man, those are good drugs. Cialis <laughs> is actually great for pumps in the gym. It's a great uh, a pre-workout last three days. Cialis uh, and caffeine, great workout pre-workout stack. By the way, uh, and like I said, Cialis uh, will keep you pumped up for about three days. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean Cialis is just, just erections on demand. It's like when you when you wanna when you wanna be mean to the girl a little bit. I mean, it's just. Stuff works There's Tadanafil, sildenafil, And vardenophil. So vardenophil is called Levitra. Let me tell you bros out there About motherfucking Levitra. It's the best one for women It's the best, best one for women uh, Of It starts working In about 30, 45 minutes After she takes it Effects last about 8 hours I'm gonna get real graphic here guys So bear with me um, it gets kind of swollen down there a little bit. Gets a little chunky down there a little bit. Feels a little chunky down there. Um, uh, she will usually get wet more. Will be way more sensitive, and um, and some of them might actually squirt. Um, vardenafil, Levitra is the fucking shit. Uh, if you want to give your girl something, I just want to throw that in there. But yeah, man. Um, you know, say Alice is a superman stack. Is the Cancun's? Stack, you know, whatever you know, you go on vacation with your girl. You just two doses of Cialis, uh, um, three days apart, um, half dose, like small, and then a little tiny uh a dose uh before a special event kind of thing of, of Viagra. Some guys stacked the two. Could happen. Could 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 potentially work. Could potentially work for you. Um, just uh look out for them headaches on it. Some guys get headaches on it. Don't overdo it. Don't OD wouldn't advise to mess with that stuff and any, any stimulants any harder than caffeine. All right, guys? It's just putting it out there for you. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're great. Great little drugs. What else do you want me to say, man? Vardenafil, Levitra for the girl. Forgot to add that. We had forgotten to add that. I wanted to mention, throw that in there. Throw a little value for you guys.
0: All right, so the last topic, guys, is tricks to reduce the odds of cancer. So Rick, you're a big environmentalist, uh, naturalist, naturopath, girls coming up with new ideas when it comes to that shit. So give us your thoughts on this tips. Do you ever worry about cancer? And what, what do you do in your daily life? Your daily grind to reduce your chance of cancer?
1: Dude. So I, as far as cancer, I think about it. Like I worry about it. I worry about it. If God forbid, I ever have to worry about it. Not going wood. All right. I uh, don't want to have to ever. But uh, now i just keep a healthy lifestyle. Don't eat like shit. Don't eat like trash. I think a good preventive measure that I take, keep them sugars low, man. Keep those motherfucking sugars real low. I think that helps. Um, apple cider vinegar, spoonfuls of it, you know, a couple times a day that I think might actually help. And also just being a real positive, you know, stress-free mind, positive, real, real outgoing, really a good stress-free mind where you, you're, you're internally, you feel good internally about yourself and things in your life and, and you are reacting appropriately to things that go on around you and, and you know you're hopeful and you are... You just, you just have a good outlook on life and, and you believe in yourself and, and you believe you, you have a, a bright future ahead of you, whether you believe in God or destiny or whatever it is you believe in. I think your mental state can also uh, go a long way, a long way in keeping your body healthy and keeping your body uh, free of disease. So sugars, I think number one, I think sugars are, sugars are an issue ton of insulin, just dropping insulin in your system all day, every day, uh, not, not, not the best, um, fasting, definitely fasting, uh, helps, helps definitely regenerate, get rid of some, some dead cells. It, it, it just, it's golden dry fasting. Definitely helps. Um, and you know, there are some supplements. There's some supplements that are, yes, you said it. There's some supplements that are good for specific Cancers, like I'll give you a quick example, lycopene. Lycopene is supposed to be very pretty good for when you have those tiny micro micro cancers in your prostate, which many men do, and a lot of you got little tiny little one cell uh, uh, cancers in your prostate. As long as that cancer never grabs on, never never grabs on to a reliable a uh, source of blood flow, that cancer is going to stay a tiny tiny cell, and you might live out your whole life and die And when you die you still got that little tiny uh cancer cell in your prostate that never went anywhere but if that fucking cancer cell can somehow grab on you know or or or, or it, 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 this chemistry that the cell creates around itself to have the body build uh channels of of blood flow from nearby uh, capillaries and some of these uh, prostate cancer cells just don't, don't, can't produce the proper chemistry to have, to have your body create you know, a road, a, a direct path to it. But every once in a while, they might just get large enough to press up against a, um, a blood vessel. They could tap into it. And once cancer cell taps into a blood vessel, that fucking thing is going to grow out of proportion. We're talking about prostate now. It's just, <laughs> just going to become cell, which is basically what cancer is. And lycopene lycopene it's supposed to help keep those cancer cells in the prostate from creating that blood highway they need in order to grow, grow out of control. So lycopene is a good one to to fucks with. There's you know there's some out there that are that have been shown pre-preventive pot weed, all right? There's CBD, CBG, THC, THCV now there's about four different uh, cannabinoids that they're putting into supplements. THCV, it's supposed to curb your appetite and help with some of the, you know, some of these things. So pot is supposed to be decent for it. Um, this is why cigarette smokers are known for getting lung cancer and, and lifelong pot smokers are not known for getting lung cancer, even though a marijuana cigarette has five times the amount of tar because of no filter, you know, filter cigarette out of a pack. There's definitely some compounds that curve um, uh, cancers. And, and if you know what your exposure is, if you know what you might be prone to, either through looking at medical family history or, or, or just exposure you've had later in life or even pre, pre-cancer symptoms, then you can find the right compound, naturally occurring compound, to, to kind of get there and address that. But definitely fasting. Fasting helps with 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 the, these kind of rogue cells. I mean, it, it it really really helps. Goes a long way. What else do you think, Steve?
0: So you gotta remember, your immune system is in your body and it's fighting as hard as it can, right? It's fighting these these bad cells in your body, these free radicals. So nutrition, um, you consume sugar like Rick said, refined sugars, refined oils. It goes in your body. It aids the free radicals makes it harder on your body, right? So you want to be consuming raw fruits, raw, fresh vegetables, you know, lightly steamed if necessary. They contain ingredients and antioxidants to go in your body and help fight these cancer cells. So nutrition is very, very important. another thing too um, is that's very important is in your house, what are you keeping in your house? Pesticides. You touch those pesticides, they absorb in your skin. You breathe those pesticides again in your body. Pesticides are designed to kill. Why do you have them in your house? There's absolutely no reason to go near pesticides. Herbicides, they kill. No reason to have herbicides. You gotta be crazy to work. As a person who walks around spraying herbicide every day or spraying pesticide, quit your job now, get out because it's not going to end well for you. All right. And some of you out there are like, Oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't have it. You have it. You have it. It's in your body. You have it. And it's growing as we speak. And if you don't do anything about it now, it's going to keep growing. And you will die. You will die. Cancer will kill you. Okay. Cancer is a killer that you're not going to be able to stop by being in denial. So get pesticides and herbicides out of your house. Don't spray that shit around your house. Even you shouldn't even be near it. Consume organic produce, not produce sprayed with pesticides and herbicides. Try to grow your own stuff if you can, or buy organic. I mean, these are little things that you can do. Water, drinking water that's poor quality has chlorine and all these other chemicals in there that don't belong in our body. And that all contributes to cancer. Environmental factors, living near a coal mine or a coal plant and breathing in all that shit that's spewing up in the air, that all contributes to cancer. All this shit matters. And it's true, guys when they find a, a, a body somewhere, okay, and they can't identify the body, you know what they can do? They can actually test that body and they can tell you based on the chemicals that are in that body, where that person spent their life. They can literally say, yeah, this person spent 20 years of their life in the Midwest. They spent 10 years of their life in California. They spent hey, 10 Steve, years of
1: their Steve, life Steve, in if you find a bunch of corn syrup what do you what do you think that person spend the, the majority of their life quick question for you quick question for you
0: if what corn syrup
1: corn corn syrup yeah i don't know if you find a lot of uh corn um uh has a, a very specific biomarkers if you were fed a lot of corn and since we we eat beef that was corn fed ah uh. they have products we have products that are have corn syrup in it. We have, I mean it's America is is where we uh use corn uh and corn uh, syrups and products as a backbone for a ton of our foods and a ton of the stuff we eat.
0: Yeah and in Brazil they actually um use ethanol as their uh bulk of their fuel for gas. In the United States I think it's like 10% only. Um so yeah I mean that definitely yeah definitely so guys it's it's all about um and, you know, we can get into, like, conspiracies. You go on YouTube, and it's endless, endless conspiracy this, conspiracy that, GMO this, GMO that. guy. And I'm not going to sit here and debate this, okay? Uh, Rick and I, you know, we talk off air about some of this stuff. But at the end of the day, guys, you know, you control what you, goes in your body, right? And as wonderful it is to have processed food and sugary foods and all this stuff, it's better than children going hungry out there. But you, as an athlete, you're listening to this podcast. You want to be the best you can do. You want to be the best of the best. You want to be top level of yourself, right? We do this for that reason. You want to be the top 1% person out there. And that's what we are. So you have to change what you're putting in your body. You have to be cognizant of what goes in your body. We should not be putting processed foods in our body, refined sugars, refined oils, going near pesticides, going near herbicides, having um, bleach, you know, in our house and breathing in those fumes and, and, and breathing in paint and all the stuff that, that goes in our body. We have to take care of ourselves, guys. We have to de-stress. Like Rick said, we have to be doing this stuff to de-stress. It's very important. Meditation, whether it's meditation, prayer, you can be religious, not religious, medit- yoga, all this stuff. I mean, all the stuff that we talk about on this podcast, no one else talks about, but all this stuff makes a difference in your life, in your lifestyle. And, you know, Rick and I, we live the lifestyle. We're not just here, you know, as hypocrites telling you guys to go do this stuff. I mean, we actually live this stuff. I mean, that's how it is. Like you won't see me go and eat in restaurant food. I, because I know restaurant food, they put stuff in there that does not not belong in our body. So you won't see me. I cook my own food. I don't need someone else. I don't need some guy in a restaurant with a neck tattoo who hasn't washed his hands in two weeks you know, and with fucking a four, forehead uh, ring, cooking my food. No disrespect to anyone like that. I don't got a problem if you got tats or, or forearms, but I'm just saying I can probably cook food better than, than they can. So why do I have to go and pay someone to cook me food when they're putting crap in my food? It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, you're in control of what goes in your body, guys. You, you, know, you can afford steroids. You can afford to buy your own food. And you, you, you can afford to cook your own food and know what's going on in your body and know what's in your house. You know, these are very, very important, guys. This is serious. Cancer is not something to fuck with. And it's, it's something we have to reduce the chance of getting it. You have to reduce. And it is true that, you know, we are at a high risk of it. And it may happen to, to us. Uh, many, like 25% of you listening, men, you will get prostate cancer at some point in your life. And I think that's a conservative number, Rick. I think it's closer to 50% of you guys listening out there will get prostate cancer at some point in your life. So it, it's going it, to, you have to do everything you can to reduce the chance because there's a high likelihood you will get some type of cancer at some point in your life, unfortunately. You want to finish it up, Rick? I
1: think that was a good finish, man. Good, good, good finish to the show, bro.
0: Well, hopefully it motivates some of you, you know, to, to change. And like, like at the end of the day, guys, you guys can always hit me up, you know, on the forums for consultation. You guys want to learn more about this stuff. You guys want to get serious about it. You can always hit me up. Listen to the podcast. Rick mentioned fasting. A low, low
1: sugar, low sugars, fasting, dry fasting, good mental outlook and getting those checkups, man. As soon as you feel something weird, you feel something odd, a lump a weird feeling, just make sure they get checked out and, and catch, catch on to it early. That's very important. Catching on to it, to it really uh, really early.
0: Yeah, prostate cancer if you catch early, you have a very, very good chance of beating it. But if you catch it late, you're you're in trouble. So it's very important to get that figure up, there's, up
1: there's a good interview in the, the Tim Ferry's book, uh, Tools of Titans, because right now he's got tribal mentors out. But Tim Ferry's got Tools of Titans in there. There's an interview there where they're discussing how patients that are going in for chemotherapy if they fast uh in the, in the time leading up to the chemo how the chemotherapy uh is more effective at, at killing cancer cells and spares it's less damaging on healthy cells you can pick up the book I, I suggest you would tools of times by Tim Ferriss and great great a chunk of information it's a big chunky book it'll take you a while to get through it, it took me a, a long time to get through the whole thing almost a year reading little by little I don't I read a couple of different books at once um, so I don't get bored with just one. So I'll read uh, uh, chapters out of, you know, four or five different books. Uh, and it took me a while to get through a big, big book, but definitely worth your time, worth a read. is really, really good stuff.
0: Yeah, guys. And uh, out of the past uh, five years, two of the at least two of the Nobel Prize winners in medicine were researching how autophagy, destroys cancer cells and um through fast fasting and they proved it and they won the Nobel prize but that just shows you how powerful uh fasting is so you guys really need to learn about it and start doing it i actually had a client who um who came to me uh, a couple months ago he had a high glucose number and i got him into fasting he started fasting just once a week for 24 hours just once a week and his uh fasting glucose dropped 15 points in, in just two months, just by fasting just once a week for 24 hours, dinner to dinner, that's it. I mean, it's it's something that you can do to, to benefit you. Obviously, the more you do it, the better. So start getting into it and, and you can get these benefits. But the way autophagy works is like Rick said, when you're fasting, when you're in a fast autophagy in your body starts going after these bad cells in your body, these cancer cells, these other negative cells. And destroying them, they go. Oh, they fuck them up in your body; it's gone. And then your body will regrow healthy cells and good cells and boost your immune system in the process. So, wouldn't that be awesome to help your immune system by getting rid of these nasty cells that your immune system is busting its ass to kill? So, fasting is a wonderful way to suppress cancer in the body and fight it. And then, you know, once you get full-fledged cancer. It's too late. Like fasting, we don't have enough information yet to prove that fasting, once you have full fledged cancer, can cure that cancer. Although, if I hypothetically were to get cancer, I would definitely do a long fast myself. But I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you and tell you that. So, what we want to do though, what we do know, and it is in the science, it is in the Nobel Prize, is that preventative cancer can be boosted by fasting and by autophagy. We know that for a fact. So but like Rick said, yes, if um, more and more people knew about this, we would be able to fix a lot of health elements out there. All right, guys, so that sums it up for number one, uh, 391 Q&A. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.
1: Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Boom. And we're going to stop recording.